are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock here with you on this Tinky Tuesday, this weekly wink episode of the program. Nick Winkler joining me in just one second. I do want to remind everybody to rate, review the show on iTunes. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify. You can find us everywhere. You can also find all the shows on the Locked On Podcast Network anywhere that you can find podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Email the show, LockedOn49ers at Gmail. That's the best place to get those mailbag questions in that Nick and I will be dipping into today. Lots to talk about. I know Nick is going to be bummed about the Reuben Foster stuff and uh, another loss, obviously. So uh, let's get into it and bring on today's guest. Nicholas Winkler, come on down. Nicholas, how are you, sir? Oh, buddy, are we in a time machine? Like, do did, did we go back to, you know, the old 49ers that sucked and always got into legal trouble and stuff? This is What's going on, man? Well, the 49ers that got into legal trouble were good at first. so That's true. <laughs> so this is even worse the oh, spot man. to be in. What a knucklehead, man. I mean, we've been saying that for a while now, and it's like, oh, man, you think you'd figure it out that that girl's trouble and, ah. Oh, it really frustrates me, man. But at the same time, it's like if you can't figure out that that person is bad for you and you're still going to surround yourself with that person, like, good riddance, man. Right. And that it sounds like that's even the most major part of all of this where they were like, look, here's the ground rules. First of all, she can't be around. And that yeah, was and, get away from her. And no matter what comes of the legal situation for Reuben Foster and all of that personally for him, I think they were just like, you broke the rules and you were already on thin ice, so you got to go. And I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with it. Like you, he, too. It's just too much. Too, too much smoke. Um, no matter what comes of his most recent event, and then there was the one from October that nobody knew about that came out as well after that. And obviously, she's bad news. But Ruben's got to be smarter, and he had as many chances as he should have gotten, and he can't get any more. So I'm with him. They had to let him go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, it's like, you know, you, you can't put down a zero tolerance thing and then put up with something. You know, it's, you, you got to <laughs> you got to make sure that people respect you and the things that you stand for. So, yeah, it, it was the only move they had. You can't have like a just a little bit of tolerance policy. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I like that. Like we're only going to put up with like seven more things. But if you do eight, you're out. Right. Exactly. So that's that. And I know, look, I know you liked Ruben Foster and he was fun to watch, but he actually wasn't really even playing that well. And all the injuries on top of it, I don't know how much it's going to really hurt the team and the product on the field. They already weren't winning and he didn't take that next step like everybody expected this year. So maybe there's other stuff off the field he's not doing to really be the best at his job anyway. So and look, linebacker is almost the defensive version of running back on offense where it's it's one of the positions where you can find players and you don't have to draft players super high or spend a ton of money, ton of money on that position. So, you know, as far as the product on the field and 49ers finding linebackers, I don't think it's even that big of a problem. Yeah, I don't think his shoulder ever truly got right. And so I think that, you know, you could kind of see him favoring it, not moving his arm a whole lot. But, you know, he'd still give 100%. And yeah, like you said, you know, it's, it's, it's a loss draft pick at this point and you know it's a guy that hadn't 
shown that he was getting any better. And he, yeah, this guy was the limit. And he had all this potential, but you know, he was becoming a distraction. Yeah, I got caught up, you know, in the nice guy who was, you know, just super friendly and funny and all this. And you know, and so you forgive some of the things that are off the field. It's like, oh, he's just getting caught up in that. Now this, that, no. He put himself in those situations, every single one of them. So yeah, it's it, it's a bummer. But you know, the 49ers need to move forward, and and they will. And you know, hopefully. Fred Warner continues to progress and, you know, they can go out and address even that. That seems like the kind of thing too, that you can address in free agency. You know, you can go out and spend a little bit of money on a, on a veteran that can come in and kind of solidify that, that middle linebacker position. Yeah. Well, you can do both because it's, you can go middle rounds and try to develop a guy and there's tons of really, really good middle round linebackers. The 49ers have one right now and third rounder Fred Warner that's having a fantastic rookie year. And even with the Ruben Foster stuff, it turns out the 49ers are developing a stud linebacker it's just not the guy that everybody thought it was going to be and so um yeah a little bit of money and look the 49ers already signed the veteran linebacker that's supposed to be the guy anyway that's supposed to help with that right. kind of transition so uh, malcolm smith will see him the rest of the way and i don't know if the 49ers are going to want to pay him next year i don't think they were going to but now that contract might have gotten guaranteed by this reuben foster stuff because they're going to need uh, they're going to need bodies out there, so you can't have just Fred Warner and Elijah Lee, and, th- and then go into free agency in the draft, and that's it. So I got to imagine at least Malcolm Smith is going to make it until next summer. Then post June first, maybe he could get cut. If the 49ers do add a better player in free agency or go into the draft, but to me, linebacker is still down the list of needs, and they don't need to go crazy with it. And I think it's funny because the public, like you know, you know how fans are, and and people root for laundry and everybody was given Reuben Foster the benefit the benefit of the doubt the first time and it turned out that uh you know she recanted her story and everything but this time even though it's the same woman that he's dealing with people are just like tired of it and you don't see a lot of that yeah. from the fans anymore there's maybe a little bit but most of it's like uh there's exhausted by it and I'm sure that's what the team is like too They're like we can't babysit this guy anymore so uh, I, I think it's just best for everybody and and, and the 49ers are gonna be maybe better for it in the long run but and, you know, I wasn't even against the draft pick at the time. I, both of us were like, dude, that's a great pick. That's huge value. And my question is, I wonder how much they actually knew. Because there was, like, the combine thing and the diluted sample. It's like, if he was smoking pot, whatever, he was a 22-year-old college kid, that's not a huge red flag to me, right? But I wonder what other stuff was out there because a lot of other teams weren't drafting him either. So that's that's the lesson maybe that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch can take from this is what exactly was on that background check. That that's something I'd like to know because that'll probably, and look, both guys that the 49ers drafted in 2017 with red flags are no longer on the team. So lesson learned for uh, a young head coach and young GM. Yeah. And I mean, the guy had top 10 talent for sure. And there's a reason he fell so far and -hmm. and the 49ers took a chance on him. And that's the thing about chances is is sometimes you miss. Right. So they missed. And that 2017 draft thinks, thank God for George Kittle saving that draft right now as a fifth rounder. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else has been brutal. Absolutely. Um, all right. What is there any final thoughts you have about that uh, Buccaneers game? Do we want to talk a lot about that? Do we want to look forward to the to the Seahawks, or do we want to just get to the mailbag? Nah, I mean, you know, we all saw it. We, we know what this team is, and yeah, I mean, at this point, it's, it's you know, let's, let's just move past it. It was, it was rough to watch. 
Got to take a quick break here, but I'm excited to tell everyone about the newest sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network, Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to heated car seats. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion battery that lasts up to 12 hours on each charge. So Action Heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget, which is pretty amazing, the technology we live in these days. And obviously, getting very cold outside, wintertime, this is the perfect gift for any friend or family on your holiday gift list. Great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders, or anybody that loves the outdoors or hates being cold. Heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns so you can stay warm and cozy from head to toe. Action Heat is available in men's and women's and has great new styles and models just released for this winter season. So get some heated products that fit everyone's budget starting at just $39.99. We've got a special deal for our listeners 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. Again, that's actionheat.com slash locked on, or you can just go to actionheat.com and use coupon code locked on at checkout to save that 20%. So stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Let's start with Anthony on Twitter. He says, CJ is going to come in and win a game and really piss Niner fans off. Can you see one free agent and two draft pass rushers this offseason? So for the first part, it's I, I don't even think you go back to CJ. I, CJ had his opportunity. You kind of know what you have in him. Let's see if Nick Mullins can rebound from a bad game and let him ride it out, right? Or do you go back to CJ Beathard? I don't think you do. No, I don't think you do either. I think you keep riding with Mullins. I mean, he's shown you that he can work this offense when, when you know, when he's off and when he's got his weapons. He had no weapons. His, both of his starting wide receivers were out. You know, he, he had not a whole lot going on. I mean, it was, it was a brutal game. And, and you know, it, it definitely showed how young he was. But why not just keep rolling with him? Like you said, you know what you got in Beathard, and, and Mullins has shown a little bit of flash. So, yeah, what, what, what do you got to win for at this point, right? Right, and then to his point about no matter who's quarterbacking, if the 49ers win too many games and aren't picking number one overall, uh, he said, can you see one free agent and two draft pass rushers this offseason? Uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, they. I think they're going to add two. The question is, is it going to be a free agent and a draft pick or two draft picks? Or I could see him go free agent, draft, and draft. So uh, that's definitely a possibility. One of the things that, will really help the 49ers going into free agency is if they know where they're drafting, who's going to be there. And that can really only happen. I think if they have the first pick in the draft, let's say they have Joey Bosa far or Nick Bosa. I'm sorry, far and away number one on their draft board. Then they know going into free agency. It's like, look, we don't have to overpay for a guy. If there's, you know, a rotational rusher or someone coming in that we, we think we can sign and that can help us out, then let's do that. But we don't have to overpay for somebody. And at this point, they probably would have to in free agency because not many pass rushers are actually going to make it to free agency. A ton of these guys that you think might get there are going to get franchise tagged. So at that point, if you know you have Bosa sitting there at number one, you don't have to overpay. You can say, get a linebacker. You can get a free safety. You can get a cornerback in free agency and then wait till the draft and then double up there. 
Yeah, I mean, and you're also looking at a team that has a lot of, of needs. You know, they have a lot to, to do. And so if they do have that number one draft pick and, you know, Bosa is looking like, you know, the kind of guy that, that you know, you can build a defense around, sort of. I mean, if he, if he really is anything like his brother. Uh, but that being said, they've only got, what, five draft picks in this, in this upcoming draft, and they've got a lot of needs. So, I mean, it might be a situation where somebody really wants a quarterback and, you know, they can move down a couple spots and, and maybe get a few extra picks. And, you know, maybe you do miss out on Bosa, but when you have so many needs, I mean, isn't that a possibility that you, you trade back and you just kind of hope that you can pick out a little bit of a, an edge rush talent later in that first round or maybe even later in the draft? That's the thing is I don't know if the quarterback is going to be there, so that'll just solidify the 49ers staying at one and drafting the impact player because I don't think they're going to get that offer. But it's early in the process. Yeah. Maybe a quarterback shows up at the Senior Bowl, wows everybody, and ends up being somebody. And, and that would actually be the best-case scenario for the 49ers is if teams are trying to go up like what happened with the Bears and Trubisky a couple of years ago. If a team's trying to just go up one spot to make sure somebody else doesn't jump them, and the 49ers could still get their guy, maybe just drop down to two, you know? And that would be a case where there's only one. Yeah. If there's only one quarterback that's far and away the best, so that's the one guy that teams have to, are forced to pay for the one guy instead of sit back and wait for maybe the second quarterback. So maybe that's the scenario, but right now I don't see that big windfall of draft picks and trade offers coming in this draft. So that would be the other reason why you would stay is just you don't get, you don't get bowled over. Right, right. And that's kind of how the, the 49ers were able to fleece the, the Bears a few years ago is that they needed that quarterback. And so, you know, they, they could sell it as like, well, we're going to take him if you don't do this trap. And, then, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody thinks the 49ers are going to be using that top pick or, you know, one of their whatever their first round ends up being on a quarterback because they've given so much money to, to Jimmy G. And, you know, the, the plan is that he'll be back next year. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, don't, I think the best case scenario for them at this point is to lose out and go with Nick Bosa. So speaking of quarterbacks, Javier has a scenario. Jaguars need a quarterback. All signs point to Niners being in the top three and Jags in the top ten. Swap picks and send Jalen Ramsey to San Francisco in exchange and the Jags tape take uh, the top quarterback before Denver or whoever else gets to it. What do you think about Javier's scenario? Yeah, no, that, that sounds like a great idea. I mean, it, you know, it doesn't really help that pass rush thing, which, again, has been a problem here for a few years. And <laughs> I think this would once again be kind of avoiding the, the biggest, the, the most glaring need. Well, you know, so I think they would kind of just be moving out of that scenario, right? Well, the one thing I do like about that is you add the corner and you stay in the top 10 or wherever the Jags end up drafting and you can still take the next. You're not going to get Bosa, but there's the one thing about this draft is it's deep in pass rushers you might not have the instant impact guy but there's all different shapes and sizes of guys so there'll be a speed rusher there for you if you want one a little bit later in the first round and so that would be probably the argument for me is if the 49ers don't pick one maybe Bosa's gone anyway then you're entertaining all kinds of offers because uh, there's a number of players that I think you can still draft later in the first round as pass rushers yeah, I think if Bose is gone, I think that's a no-brainer. That's actually available. You know, if, if the Jaguars really want to do that deal, yeah, I think you, you definitely have to at least consider it, entertain the thought, you know. I I'm I would be a little bit shocked, and I'm hesitant to believe any reports that Jalen Ramsey would be traded. And if he would, it might be one of those situations like where teams see what the Raiders got for Khalil Mack and are like, oh, we'll take two first-rounders for our guy. But I don't think the offers, right. those kind of offers are going to be there. Especially when you're a cayenne pepper like uh, Jalen Ramsey. 
<laughs> Wait, what? I missed that. What What was that? The, the cayenne pepper. Remember cayenne in the soup? Oh, right. No, yeah, yeah. The cayenne pepper. Okay, no, that's a callback. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember the cayenne pepper in the soup. Yeah, wrong flavor. I'm wrong back spice. To my own stuff here. Yeah, you called yourself back, and I was like, okay. It's, that's almost like uh, Ricky yeah. Henderson talking to him about himself in third person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick likes to do that. <laughs> Here's one for Nick. Just one answer. I need a year. Craig wants to know, let's go big. What year do the 49ers win a Super Bowl? Oh, wow. It's, it, you know, it, going into this season, it felt like it could be, you know, a year or two, maybe three away. And now it just, it seems like it, we're almost kidding ourselves, you know? <laughs> Nothing seems to be going right. But that's the thing about football is it, it could happen next year. I mean, I don't think it will, but if he wants a number, I'm going to say 2021. 2021. So why not? I like it. That that gives you plenty of time to go from two and nine to winning a Super Bowl. Hey, uh, Bill Walsh, remember, 81 was the first Super Bowl. He won a total of eight games his first two seasons combined. So it can happen quickly. Once go. the switch goes on, it can happen very quickly. You got a coach and a quarterback. That's that's a big couple of pieces there. And health. Health is the key. I mean, we've yeah. seen it this year as 49er fans, that that is the most important thing in football. It's not ability, it's availability. Phil wants to know, this is more philosophical. Oh, How do we break the cycle of doom and gloom? Are we becoming the new Browns? Ah, uh, gross. <laughs> but how I do mean, you break that cycle? Yeah, I mean, well, how, wins. How, how do you? I don't know. Well, Win funny. games. They had already broken it. They traded for Garoppolo, yeah. won five straight games, cycle broken, and somehow that torn ACL put the, the, the 49ers yeah. right back in the cycle. Then losing, and then the Reuben Foster stuff was just like an embarrassment publicly on top of losing, which is so bad. That's what made the last, you know, that 24 hours of Reuben Foster arrest, release, 49ers losing on the road and looking pretty bad and, and not really showing up, that's, it's just a bad look. So the, the vibe and the feel publicly is so much worse than if you're like, all, oh, hey, next week the 49ers are going to lose to the to the Bucks, And you'd be like, oh, yeah, they lost, whatever. But the, the, right. the, this all happening publicly in the way it did and then the embarrassment, I think, just adds to it. So I understand where Phil's coming from, but uh, I think they've already still won too many games to be the Browns, right? They won one out of 32 games. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that guess you just win another game and then you kind of solidified it. You know, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's it's one of those seasons, dude. It's been it's been bad. Everything that's kind of could go wrong has go wrong gone wrong. One of those seasons, and you know, it, there's only a few games left. And at this point, it's let's see what we got with these young guys. It's, I'm just I'm almost to the point where it's like let's not get Kittle hurt. You know, like let's maybe. Maybe rest him up a little bit. He's got toe thing or something. Let's put him on the shelf and save him for next year. I mean, he's he's been the, the brightest spot for sure for the 49ers, and he's quickly becoming one of the best tight ends in the NFL. Like, you know, the worst possible scenario would be to get an injury that he wouldn't be able to start next season. You know, it's, I'm almost at that point where it's like, let's put our nice toys back on the shelf and save them for when they really matter next year. Yeah, that's like the Madden tank mode, and I think that's the one thing the 49ers won't do. But I, I right. understand where you come from there. It's like, let's, that's the smartest. Like, I could see, you know, NBA teams do this kind of thing maybe 
where it's like, okay, you're a little bit hurt. Let's let's rest our guy. Let's get that one franchise changing guy. NFL, I just don't see it happening. And especially with this no. group, they're not. They're definitely not going to go that route. Like if guys can play, they're going to play. They're letting Matt Breida play on a bad ankle. They were going to let Reuben Foster play. Uh, I think if if his it, they were they were not worried about his shoulder, even though he could barely lift it. They were worried about his hamstring. So. Um, I just, yeah, that's definitely not something they would do, but I understand that idea and not even so much as just trying to lose, just protecting your assets for when you can use them and win. Like imagine if this, imagine if Garoppolo was still around and the 49ers were two and nine and then in week 13, that's when he tears his ACL. Right. Yeah, it definitely could be worse. I mean, it could always be worse. And yeah, and Kittle doesn't seem like the kind of guy too that would want to sit out. You know, he, he's a bruiser and, you know, he's, he's a gamer, you know, no matter what the, the record, no matter what the score, he's always out there giving 100%. You know, he, he's definitely the real deal. And I'm clearly they're not going to start sitting there, guys, you know, this early in the season. You know, that being said, you know, maybe come week 17, you know, maybe maybe then, you know, I don't know. Well, te- just, teams rest their starters before the playoffs, right, if they've got it set yeah. and nobody gets mad about <laughs> that. Start, we just start resting them for next season. You know, you just, <laughs> it's kind of the same philosophy, right? You don't want to get anybody hurt. For every guy that the Rams rest in Week 17, the 49ers should rest a guy as well. Just a match. Yeah, I like that. Gurley's out. Yeah, Breida, sit him down. <laughs> exactly. Same talent level. Let's sit both of these guys. That's even. Yeah, totally even. <laughs> Gurley, Breida, same, same guy. All right, let's no, keep this. It's, mil- it's, it's been brutal, and you know it's not getting any better anytime soon. And the doom and gloom's gonna stick around. I mean, even winning games at this point is that really gonna make anybody feel better? It did last year. Yeah, that's true. But that was when, you know, they brought in – if Nick Mullins starts winning games right now, I mean, is it is it one of those things where we're like, oh, quarterback controversy next year? No, it would be like maybe, no. oh, maybe he's got some value to trade. I think maybe that's where it would go. And remember – There you go. I was reminded of this from Chris Wilson when we were doing the, um, the roundtable episode a couple of weeks ago. And he was like, remember last year at this time, people were talking about how the 49ers were going to lose – Robert Sala to another team as a head coach. <laughs> Do you remember that? And now that's laughable. Right. And it's like, oh my God. So that's how quickly things can change. But the the doom and gloom is probably going to wear off with the feels of a good offseason and Jimmy Garoppolo being healthy and coming back around to week one next year to answer the original question. Yeah, I'll be honest. To me, doom and gloom start, it'll end as soon as the regular season ends. Because then for me, it's like, okay, that's done. You know, let's start working on 2019. Yeah, you can't lose games in April. No, no, you can win the off season though, and they <laughs> yeah. got a lot of money to spend. So yeah. hopefully they can. And they're going to have to try to to do that. They're going to the 49ers are going to win this off season. I have that feeling. Yeah, I think I'm with you. All right, let's keep this mailbag going right after this. All right, so we I brought up Walsh a little bit ago. Jeremy on Twitter invokes the name of Walsh. Let's see how you feel about this, Nick. He says, I'm going to be speaking from a Walsh mentality, so what do you think we could get for a Kittle or Buckner? We would totally get our fifth rounder back and then some for Kittle. <laughs> I'm just going to say hell no to that. <laughs> We're gonna. I'm going to block no. Jeremy right now. He's I, blocked just, on Twitter. I, no. I don't, last thing I want to do is get rid of our best two players. Yeah, Young players are going to be around. See, that's the thing. It's like, if someone's offering you something for Eric Armstead, who you have a lot of people at that position, and you're trading somebody like that, that makes sense. Uh, you're not going to trade the guys who are actually going to be around when you're winning. So that would that makes right. sense on zero levels. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like it. And like, how how bad would the team be if you are rebuilding from two and nine? Right. <laughs> I mean, I know he's kind of going the Raider route, you know, with Cooper and, and Mac. They're getting all kinds of first round picks, but if you don't ever do anything with those guys, like you've got good guys right now, and they're young, and you know you've got the quarterback, he's just not healthy, and you know you spent money on a running back and he wasn't healthy, and you got two wide receivers that you wanted in there and they're not healthy, and you know it goes on and on, and yeah, it's just no, I I, I don't like the idea of trading any of your your top five guys for that matter. There's a bunch of draft questions here in the queue, and I'm going to get to some of those later on in the week. I'll probably do just a full episode on Friday. Some of these I might throw uh, to John Ledyard for Thursday's show when we talk draft, and he's got his uh, How to Fix the 49ers article on the Draft Network that we're going to talk about later on in the week. So I am going to get some of these draft questions, but uh, here's here's one from Marlon on Twitter. How bad was John and Kyle's first draft? Should we be playing the 3-4 defense with the players we have, even though... The nickel is the most used formation. I I, I mean, you, yeah. you brought Robert Sala in because of the scheme. It was almost like you picked the scheme and then picked the best available candidate who runs that scheme. That That's how it sounds like um, Kyle Shanahan went about this defensive coordinator coaching search. They've had some 3-4 personnel in the past, and up front they could totally play that, but they tried really hard and brought in different long corners specifically for this cover three scheme. So it would be more growing pains if they tried to go back to the three, four, I think, and, and definitely not worth it. So if they did hire a new coach, I think you would have to uh, keep the same, the same scheme, but uh, it's a good point about Marlin where nickel is used the most. So, uh, you know, 60% of the time you're in that nickel. So it's a four man front anyway, like that's that you should be drafting and developing your team first for the, the sub defense, which is a four-man front, no matter what scheme you run, and then worrying about how they fit into the base, maybe after that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not in love with the scheme. You know, if it went away and a new guy came in, I wouldn't pound my fists on the table or anything. You know, I just at this point, it's about bringing in the best available guys. You know, and if they fit your scheme, great. I mean, that's and we don't even know if the scheme's going to be in place next year. So it, the, the, the obviously the draft hasn't gone well. There's been a couple of guys that have really stood out as like, wow, well done, and then a couple of big misses. And, it, you know, a lot of that optimism and that, like, excitement and you know, everything we had when, uh, when Lynch and Kyle took over, and, you know, it, it's been fading. And it, it sucks to say that, and, it, you know, it sucks that it's happening. But it, we'd be fools if we sat here and were like, no, they can do no wrong, you know, and they're, they're doing everything right. And, no, they're not. You know, they're missing. And that's what happens, and it's adversity, and it's how you overcome this and what you do next. And then how they attack this offseason is going to tell you a lot about what's going to happen next year and into the following years. Because if they come out and lay another egg, I don't think these guys are going to be around too much longer, unfortunately. And it's a young regime, and the, the key for them is going to be how quickly they learn. And a lot of this that they're going through right. is they're uh, reinventing the wheel somewhat. Like, they're learning lessons that old, crusty, grizzled GMs have already learned. And so... That's right. one of the weird things is like you really love their enthusiasm and how open they are. But I wonder if like the further we go down the line, the more football speak we're going to get from Shanahan and Lynch and they're going to let you inside a little bit less. And the 49ers fans are start going to start, uh, you know, not knowing quite as much about what's going on. They won't be as open because I think that's how front office people learn to be because they go through all this and they have misses and so they just they don't want to talk about it anymore and they start to clam up about that kind of thing 
And a lot of guys, that's why a lot of teams passed on players with red flags in the draft because they get burned and then they learn from it. And so I wonder how the 49ers are going to learn from that. And the other thing that they did recently is draft some injured players. So Kentavious Street and Marcel Harris is, is getting on the field this year now. But if some of these guys that were already injured that they drafted, that's why teams pass on those guys. Because And we saw it in the bulky era, Team ACL. So these are lessons that maybe they were they had to go through to learn on their own and maybe they'll be better for it later after they learn these lessons that maybe some other GMs that are, that have been around might already know, but hopefully they can find that happy medium between being enthusiastic and aggressive and then also bring the right kind of people in and, and, and hit the evaluations. Yeah, you know, I, I think my biggest fear uh, is, is, you know, they say they come out and they don't do well next year, and then the 49ers fire Kyle Shanahan, and he goes somewhere else, and it's like Bill Belichick, you know, like he, he stunk it up with the Browns, and then he, his next job is like, oh, look, I'm one of the greatest coaches of all time. It's like he, <laughs> he learned and he took his bruises, and then the team couldn't stick with him, and he went to a new place, and he's like, oh, look, now I get it. And I, that, that to me, it terrifies me because he's, he's a rookie. I mean, this is his second year as a head coach, and, you know, he's going to take his lunch. He said it, you know, these guys, it's a young regime, and they got to learn, and I just, I'm just afraid that they don't stick with it. Like York will get too, you know, fire happy, and he'll be like, "We got to fix everything now," ah! and they can't stick with it. And that, that 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 really keeps me up at night. And I think that's why they wanted those six-year guaranteed deals to try to avoid that right. because they know how long it can take. And you see that a lot with teams. We're seeing it right now with the Browns. Like the the right. coach that was right. there when the core gets drafted doesn't get to enjoy how good that core becomes and get the wins later. And so you hope that the 49ers don't... It, it happened with Harbaugh. Harbaugh came in, that team was ready to rock, and all of a sudden, right. boom, he shows up, and it was like, this team is super talented. They weren't winning before, but now they are. And so uh, you could see that sort of a scenario, and you don't want to be that coach that leaves, and then all of a sudden the team you just left starts winning before you had a chance to play with the toys. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. One more quick question. This is from Kruger, and it kind of goes hand-in-hand in hand with we're talking about Sala and the defense. He says, why do you guys think Seattle's team, and specifically their defense, has overperformed preseason expectations? Is their D that much more talented than the Niners' D or that much better coached and schemed? Because so same scheme, they're without Sherman, they're without Earl Thomas, they're without, you know, all the, the guys that made him great in the past and Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill and Brandon Meebane even, like all these guys are gone in Seattle, yet their defense is performing. The 49ers have a bunch of first-round picks, some third-round picks, and brought in Richard Sherman, and now you're saying, like, and now we still need a stud corner on the other side, and now we have to bring in Earl Thomas, and, and we need all these stud pass rushers for the scheme to even function. So I get where this question comes from. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, I, I totally get the question, and if we knew the answer, I think that there would be a better defense, right? I mean, I, I don't think they really know. Maybe it's that they don't gel together. Maybe there's just one or two key pieces that are missing that just haven't really fully grasped how to run the scheme. And so, you know, if you don't have that, that really good, strong safety, I think that that really hurts you, and I don't think the 49ers have it. It's really interesting. that It's, it's a tough – great question. It's a tough one to answer. Like, I – I, you, you, when you put it that way, like seeing what the 49ers have as many and maybe more bullets, I think, than the Seattle defense, just 
based on what they've done in the past. Now, I would say maybe they've been in the defense longer, so the guys that were there and young were able to integrate slowly and, and figure it out from the veterans and then learn that way. So maybe that helps. So I think maybe just staying the course, continue to teach the scheme, both offensively and defensively, the team will just get much better just because of familiarity, and it, sometimes it takes a while. So maybe that's it, or maybe they're just flat-out better coached. I mean, that's that definitely could be it, and it might be a little bit too early to find out. Once you find that out, it might be too late. Yeah, I think you're right, man. All right, I know you're on the road, so I want you to keep – your attention on the road and get home safely. So uh, we should call this here. Thank you everybody for listening and getting those mailbag questions in Nick, as always, thank you for joining the show. My pleasure, buddy. And I promise everybody out there, there's, there's brighter times ahead. The 49ers are going to win some games. They need this off season badly. They need to hit some very focused spots. Garoppolo's back next year. There's going to be some wins. There's better days ahead, and I'm still psyched to watch the rest of these games and watch the development of some of the young players. And so I think that 49ers fans can take that mindset going forward, and things will be uh, things will be a lot easier the rest of the way if you have that mindset watching football games. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back tomorrow with a little Locked on Seahawks crossover. Then John Ledyard of the Draft Network and Locked on NFL Draft is going to join me on Thursday's show. We're going to talk about how to fix the 49ers. All that coming up this week right here on Locked on 49ers. See ya!